0: To clearly understand, Isaiah is one of one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Probably, I, I don't know if it's fair to rank prophets, but probably at least the most influential. I would say Isaiah and Samuel, if not the most influential, then they're the at least the most the well most well known. But Isaiah, Isaiah is one of the, the the greater prophets, what we would call a major prophet, and uh, what we see here is a turning place or a a uh, directional change, if you will, for Isaiah. Isaiah comes to some place in his life, and he comes to a place where he was what what he was looking at. What was the focus of his attention is about to change. We understand by the way that he opens the the, the chapter. Of course, it wasn't a chapter then, but for now it is. He opens a chapter and he, he says, this is when this happened to me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, what is implied there, or what we can understand there was something that happened in Isaiah's life, and what it was is that thing that was important to him, that thing that attracted his attention, that thing that he was focused on, the king, King Uzziah. King Uzziah was the source of his focus. King Uzziah was the one that he saw in a a grand place. He said that when King Uzziah died, when, when that, that object of my affection was gone, then I saw the Lord. And because his object of affection or that which he was focusing on changes, the Bible says that, that, that Isaiah saw the Lord, but he did not see him just with his eyes. He did not, before this time, he did not recognize the Lord. He did not understand necessarily who the Lord really was. We're talking about the prophet Isaiah. And we see at this point in his life, he gets a revelation of the greatness of the Creator. His eyes have shifted from King Uzziah... And now his focus is on the Lord. And when he changed his focus, he says, when I saw the Lord, and I saw him high and lifted up. Before he saw the Lord, I don't know. He doesn't really tell us what he saw. But he didn't see the Lord high and lifted up. He didn't see his train filling the temple. What's that telling us? It's talking about the, the glory of God, how great God was. So this, this shift in his... in 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 his life, now he saw the exalted king. Before he was focusing on an earthly king, now he saw the exalted king. The king that that would now change who and what he was. The king that his life, because of this king, his life would change. When Isaiah's focus on the... On the, when Isaiah focused on the Lord, the next logical—get this, please—the next logical thing that happened was when he focused on the greatness of God, that caused him to focus on himself. It caused him to look at himself in that—in that—not re, the reflection, but in comparison. That's not even really the word I want to use. It—it it was. I see how great he is so automatically I see how small that I am. You see, up until then there was we, we can see because Isaiah Isaiah said I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He was a man of unclean lips and dwelled in the midst of a people of unclean lips before he saw the king high and lifted up. He just didn't know it. He just didn't understand it. He didn't just He didn't just didn't come to a place where he realized when I see the greatness of God. And if I'm going to be in the presence, he saw the angels, he saw the seraphims with with two. How great that must have been. Right. I I can't even fathom. I I tell people I have a DVD player in my brain and I I visually I can't get that one. I want to I'm hoping God recorded that one because I want to see what Isaiah saw. But he he saw this vision, he saw these beautiful seraphims, these angels, and they had six wings. And and, and, and in their greatness, they still, they covered their face, and they covered their feet, and they flew, and they worshipped God. And when when Isaiah got that, that, that vision, he naturally looked at himself in comparison and said, I am undone. I am. I am not. I am not worthy. Okay. Now we can take that to a negative, or we can understand what happened. Okay. He was a man of unclean lips. He was in a, amongst the people with unclean lips. He was what he said he was. And the angel took a hot coal and touched him. But what it caused him to do is. Understand where he was and the desire to become better than he was. So often when we look at ourselves in the light of Christ and we see that we do not measure up, we become frustrated. We become, we become, uh, we allow the devil to say to, to us, there's no use. But Isaiah went the other way. He said, I want to be the man that can can be in His presence. And so He answered the call of holiness, or to to be set apart to God. So we have to have the correct perspective of who He is and who we are. Exalting Him will cause us to want to be more like Him. Amen. So we're going to talk about so what that 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 vision caused Isaiah, it motivated him to become more than he was. it didn't It didn't discourage him, it didn't cause him to be uh, to feel there's no use. It caused him to strive to be more, and that's what should happen when we see the Lord high and lifted up. We should strive to to in, come into. His presence Psalms chapter 36 verses 1 to 3. So I, I read and we read this other passage this other this passage here. So the passage I read it was Isaiah's response to to seeing the Lord. I uh, Psalms chapter 36 verses 1 to 3. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes for he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit he hath left off to be wise and to he had left off to be wise and to do good see the flip side of the coin okay isaiah saw the lord high and lifted up and realized He's great, and I am small, and I want to be like Him. The Solomon's writer wrote that the transgression of the wicked is the opposite, for they see no fear in God. In other words, that word fear they're talking about, they, they, see, no, they see no greatness. They do not see the awe or the wonder of God. We live in a world today that scoffs at their being of God. We live in a world today that laughs at their being a God. They, they are in this place of the transgression of the wicked. And it's very easy for that to, to bleed onto us. It's very easy in the, the world that we live in when the technology is so great. And the the wisdom of man is so so uh, large. And technology and medicine and, and the things that we have accomplished It is so easy for man to come to a place and say, See what I have done. Look at who I am. And they have no fear for God before their eyes, so they flattereth themselves in their own eyes, and iniquity be found in them. It's all about that perspective of who He is and who I am the greatness of God in the smallness of man. One writer said, who is man that thou art mindful of him? But he is mindful of him. So we should not get so large that we say, well, God's mindful of me. I can be, I can, I, 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 I. No, who is man that he is mindful of me? I'm thankful that he's mindful of me, but I under, have to understand that that, 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 that perspective of his greatness, not so much myself. Isaiah says this, very familiar person. Uh, I don't know if person's the right word, but I'll use it. Isaiah 14 and 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto the heaven." I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So I'll conclude that that opening foundation, if you will, with, with Satan. Satan, the Bible tells us that the sin of Satan, actually Brother McGurk brought it up last week, The sin of Satan was actually not rebellion, but the sin of Satan was actually iniquity. Okay, we read about that in Psalms. And iniquity basically is this. I'm my own God. I can rule my own life. I'm equal to God. Holiness understands the perspective of who He is and who I am. Why should I be holy? Why should I strive to be holy? Let's not not worry about the the parameters of holiness. Okay, Let's, let's not worry about that at this moment. Let's just ask this question. Why should I be holy? Because He is great and I am not. And if I am going to enter into his presence, if I am going to fellowship with Him, then I have to, to be sanctified. I have to be separated. I have to be holy because He is holy. The angels flew with wings they cover their eyes and with wings they cover their feet and they flew around and what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. So, The motivation to be holy is to be able to fellowship with His greatness. When we think, and when I say we, I'm speaking of humanity. When we as humanity think that we can come into His presence in any fashion, then we are very dangerously living in that place called iniquity. Because we think we are like the Most High. There are certain people that I... I'll be honest with you. I, I, I went to that church this weekend. And uh, I, I don't know that, that pastor. I'd never met him before. Uh, I talked to him on the telephone. But he was the pastor of that church. Okay? And so I have been taught, as ever since I was very young, I've been taught to respect the men of God. It didn't matter to me what fellowship he belonged to. It didn't matter to me what he may or may not believe. He was the pastor of that church. And so when I walked into that church, I immediately gave him reverence and respect. It had nothing to do with 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 what he may or may not believe or, what he, or, or whatever, okay? Unfortunately, I was told his name was Pastor Tyler. I believe that was his first name. And if I would have known that, I would have strived to get his last name because there's no way I would have called him Pastor Tyler by his first name if I knew that that was his first name. But I believe by the time I was done there, I believe that's what it was. My point is this, okay, there was, the, the, there was a certain amount of respect for who he was regardless of whether I knew him or not. Okay, I, I, I have, I'm an ordained minister. I've been preaching the gospel for 25 plus years, okay. Pretty sure that he was younger than me by at least 10 years, but he was the pastor of that church. And that immediately put him in a place of higher authority than me. And and, And it was my responsibility to show him proper reverence. Okay? How can I treat God any differently than that? How can I not treat God the same way as I would treat a man? Actually, better than a man. So... So we're talking about that first motivation is talking about, and Lord, help me, I've got to hurry. Talking about how are, how we see God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, a familiar passage of Scripture. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. Who's Paul writing to? The saints of Ephesus. The saints which are at Ephesus. And to who? The faithful in Christ, Ephesians 1 and 1, if I could get that on the screen. <clears throat> and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from our God and Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, as a, according as He. Who's the He there? We've got to go back to the last noun Christ, okay? So he's talking about Christ. According as he... According as he... I lost my place. There we go. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So Paul is writing the letter to the saints of Ephesus. To the faithful in Christ, okay, and he says he says there who I'm writing to. I'm writing to the saints. And Brother McGurk brought out last week, and Pastor taught a couple weeks ago that we are saints. Now I I was going to take the time, and again I'm not trying to be negative. Uh, there there was a member of there there was someone, and I don't want to say who because they might be watching, and I don't I'm not trying to be negative at all. Uh, there was someone who asked me why we use the term saints, okay? Uh, why, and when we talk about one another, uh, and uh, we use the word saints because the Word of God uses the word saints. And what the word saint there means when Paul is talking is not talking about some super Christian, not talking about a Christian that has, has been elevated because they have, they have been used of God. Okay. Now I believe that there, are, there are people in 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 the church. There are there are people that are dedicated, and that God uses them mightily. Okay, uh, and that God puts gifts on them. Okay, I, I believe in that. Okay, but the the word of God in this particular passage of scripture, uh, in other places, when the word saint there simply means people that are sanctified. And the word sanctified has nothing to do with, again, anything someone has done. It's something that they have done. They have sanctified or they have set themselves aside. Okay? So Paul says, I'm writing to the saints. And just because we are called saints doesn't make us saints. I'm sure that there were some people in Ephesus Paul wrote the letter to the church of Ephesus. I don't know how that went. I don't know if the pastor stood up on Sunday morning or Saturday night, whatever it might have been. I don't know if he stood up and he got, hey, man, we got a letter from Paul. This is what Brother Paul has to say. I don't know if he did that, okay? But if he did, there were some people that he was reading the letter to, and he said, Paul said, I'm writing to the saints, okay? I guarantee you there were some people there that weren't saints, and I don't mean that negative. They just hadn't gotten to the place where they had determined to be saints. I don't determine, just like the pastor talked about a couple months back, he talked about uh, the nucleus. Okay? And he said, Who determines whether or not we're in the nucleus? Who determines that? We do, right? Who determines whether we're saints? We do. You're not a saint because Pastor Wright stands in the, in the pulpit and dec- declarates that you're a saint. I'm a saint because I determine I'm going to be sanctified. I'm going to be set apart. I'm going to, I'm going to be different. That's what makes me a saint. I decide to be set apart. And let's be realistic, okay? Let, let's just be honest. Is, is it okay if we be honest in church? okay being a saint or being set apart takes effort it it takes work I'm not set apart just because now listen before you judge me listen I'm not set apart just because I repented of my sins now I believe I need to repent of my sins if I'm going to be set apart but I'm not set apart just because I repented of my sins. I'm not set apart just because I was baptized in Jesus' name. I believe I need the blood of Christ to cover me and to wash away my sins. But that in and of itself doesn't make me set apart. I'm not set apart just because I receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe that all that's the beginning of being set apart. I believe there has to be a starting place Of being set apart. And I believe that's the new birth experience. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, when I've baptized a few people. I've baptized a couple of them that I'm, I'm getting ready to put them down. I know they just got the Holy Ghost and I know them. And I'm like, Lord, I think we ought to just keep them here. They are good to go right now. <laughs> we all just send them on to Jesus. <laughs> but I can't do that. <laughs> they are ready to go now. Because, <laughs> Lord, you have faith in them. I'm not sure I do yet. Brother Barr, you really? I'm, no, I'm only joking, kind of. <laughs> uh, I was one of them, Okay. I'm just going to tell you right now, I was one of them. The preacher should have just kept me under until I stopped bubbling. Life would have been good. (laughs) Because I was a mess. Amen. But now I'm a saint. At least I'm striving to be a saint. Amen. And that's the reality. Okay. If I, if I, 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 I just said I'm a saint, but there's a part of me that cringes when I say that. How can I say it about myself? Because I, I, I'm not there yet, okay? But it doth not yet appear what I shall be. But I do know this. When he shall appear, I shall be like him. Okay, that's my goal. Okay, so I, I'm striving to be a saint. I'm a saint because I've determined I'm set apart. Sometimes the saint needs to be cleaned up, though. Let's be honest. Because being a saint takes work. Okay. I was speaking to an individual and I'm going to kind of move on after this. I was speaking to an individual, uh, and uh, I was talking to him about the things of God, and they go to a different, different church, a different denomination, have different understanding of the Word of God. Uh, and, he, and he said to me, he said, I, I don't think I have to, and he was talking about a specific thing, but I won't mention here. He said, I don't think you have to do that to go to heaven. I'm like, you know what, let me ask you a question. And I I said, let me ask you a question. If you were following God and God asked you to do that, would you do it? He said, yeah, if God asked me to do it, I would do it. I said, that's all that counts. That's all that matters. If in your heart you're willing to do what God asks you to do, then that's what it's all about. That's what it means to be set apart. It's not about this long list of rules and regulations. Now, in the Old Testament, Brother Mike McGurk brought it up last week, and he gave us the number, and I should have wrote it down, but there was hundreds, hundreds of laws. I mean, hundreds. Ladies, to the point of what you could even make your clothes out of. You couldn't take cloth, uh, cotton, and mix it with something else I don't know it was all kinds of stuff it was there was there was dietary law there was saccri uh, uh sacramonial law there was there was uh, uh laws for the for the for the uh, uh different uh holidays that's not the word I'm looking for uh feasts thank you that's the word I'm looking for uh and and, and so there was all of that, okay? And it was about being sanctified. It was how Israel was going to be different than every other nation, okay? But it's really not about this list of rules and regulations. It's about if God asks me to do this, am I willing to do this? And if, if we can say yes to that, now, he's going he's gonna to test us, but... That's that's what it means to be sanctified. To say, if God asks me, either in the Word of God, through the voice of God, whether that voice be through some anointed teaching or through prayer, I'm willing to say, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do. Okay, so let's try to bring this to a conclusion. So, So, motivations. One, we see God. Secondly, because we are saints and should be sanctified. Thirdly, I kind of missed it there in that passage where he said, be ye holy because I'm holy. He commanded us to be holy. Be holy. Again, what does holy mean? It means sanctified, separated, set apart. Then the last one I want to look at before I run out of time. Okay. So, the last one, that I th- and I think is very important, and actually I think it's one that is extremely overlooked. Why should I be holy? Okay? I really should have Brother Yu come teach this part. The temple was a holy place, a sanctified place, a place set aside. You go back into the five books of, the, of Moses, the five books of the, of the law, and you just read about the original blueprint of the tabernacle. Okay? And read about the things that God told them to do. Let's, let's read a little bit. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 10. Just going to read a couple verses here. Leviticus 8 and 10. And Moses took the anointing oil... And anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. So what did Moses do? He anointed with oil the tabernacle and all that was in the tabernacle. And when he anointed it with oil, what did he do? What did that do to those items? It sanctified them. This goblet may look like the goblet. Down at Frank's house. But the goblet down at Frank's house is not holy. This goblet is holy. What made this goblet holy? It might have been made out of gold, and Frank's goblet might have been made out of gold. You didn't even know Frank was in the Bible, did you? And and they might even have been made by the same craftsman. You might flip them over on the bottom, and they might say, made in the wilderness by Ishmael. Okay, maybe they didn't sign their work back then. But Ishmael's goblet at Frank's house and Ishmael's goblet in the tabernacle were not the same goblet. The goblet in the tabernacle was sanctified. Why was it sanctified? Because it was anointed and declared to be separate. It wasn't a better goblet. It wasn't a shinier. Well, it might have been because I'm sure they kept that clean because it was sanctified. Frank, you know, he was just old roughneck. He probably didn't even wash it but once or twice a week. But what made it different was the fact that it was declared to be sanctified. Exodus chapter 40, verse 9. And thou shalt take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and shalt hollow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. Okay. Again, another verse, basically saying the same thing. God said, this is what I want you to do. First, first, he goes through and he gives very specific details. Okay? So when God gave the children of Israel the plans for and the instructions for the tabernacle and all the instruments in the tabernacle, it was not a haphazard plan. Okay? God didn't say, can you build me some kind of ark? I mean, some kind of altar. I I need this place. When you first come in, there needs to be this, this place where you're going to make some sacrifices, okay? Just just build me an altar. Throw something together, build it however you want to build it, then you can sanctify it and we'll be good. He didn't do that. He said, I want it to be, this is what I need, Brother You. I want it to be this big, I want it to be made out of this kind of wood, I needed it to be overlaid with this kind of metal. I needed to have rings on the corners. I need it to be this. I need it to be that. I want it to be a specific way. And then when you make it just like I tell you to make it, anoint it with oil and sanctify it. And then he didn't just say, you know what? When the priest goes into the holy place, there ain't going to be no windows in there. And then we're in the desert. Have you ever been in the desert at night? Any ha, how many been in the desert at night? Okay? If you ain't never been in the desert at night, you do not know dark. you y'all, y'all you us city folks, we live around here, we 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 think we know dark. Go out in the desert. Or go, I would the first place I really experienced it, I was in the I was in the Azorian Islands. Okay? Little group of islands out in the middle of of the Atlantic Ocean, just off the, the 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 coast of Spain, or somewhere over there, little, little uh, uh, Portuguese island, and I was there for the Navy, and I, I was out there. We landed there. Only place I ever been that it rains horizontal. About every hour, rain this water this deep on the on the tarmac. Twenty minutes later, the sun's beating down on you. But I, I digress. Okay, so I was there, and I was I was out there, and I was working at night, and I was out on the flight line working on an engine, and uh, it was it was dark. And man, I looked up, and I'm like, my word! First of all, that's a black sky. I'm talking dark, but the stars were so. Br- I didn't even know there were that many stars. I didn't. I had no clue. But it's dark. Because there was no light, so so Moses, you're going to be in the desert, and you're going to build this holy place, and there's going to be this tent, and there's going to be no windows, so you need to put a light in there. So why don't you just go ahead and build a lamp? You know, just put a lamp in there, just make it however you want to make it. That's not what he did. He said, "This is how I want you." Go read it. I I I haven't read it. No, I meant to go look it up, but I was, to be honest with you, I was. My wife was driving yesterday, and I was typing on my laptop, so oh, my brain was a little, uh, and so I I meant to go look up the, at least one of the vessels, and I and I forgot to be honest with you. But I think if I remember right, there's like you know half a chapter, maybe a couple chapters that talk about just building the lampstand. It had to be made of gold, but it couldn't be molded gold. It had to be beaten gold it had to be shaped a certain way and it had to it had to have certain cups and certain petals and certain amount of petals and and it was very intricate that god said this is he was very specific on the tabernacle and i and you say well brother bar what does this got to do with me i'm getting there so he gave very detailed instructions on how to make the tabernacle, and then go and read the detailed instructions on how to make the oil to sanctify everything. You know, sometimes I feel kind of bad, to be honest with you. We got some great A virgin olive oil. <laughs> Dabble, do ya? That's what we got. I'm hoping. I'm hoping God sanctified it. This would not do in the tabernacle. I mean, it had to have a certain amount of myrrh and certain amount of this and a certain amount of that and had to be crushed and just to be the. That's just to make the oil to make something sanctified. You see God was very specific about that thing called sanctification or being separated. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6:19 and 20. "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which have which Ye have God, and ye are not, I'm sorry, let me read that again, I'm sorry. What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. This is how I read verse 6, uh, verse 19 of first Corinthians chapter 6 I know how I just read it I read what no you not but this is how I hear it what I hear Paul saying what what kind of doing this what don't you know that's what Paul that, that's what Paul did it wasn't what don't you know there was there was someone infl- what Are what what I when I was a kid, we had this saying, okay? We had this saying, and probably some of y'all maybe never said this, or maybe you're going to know how old I am. We, we used to say, are you new? That's what we'd say to someone. They'd, say, they'd do something with it. Are you new? In other words, don't, don't you have a clue? What, are you new? That's what Paul was saying. Are you new? Don't, don't, you, don't you understand? Don't you get it? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And we, we, we like the, the end of that verse there. It says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. We're all about glorifying God in the spirit. And we in the Christian world have gotten to the place where we can come to God any old way. We can, we can come before God any old way. It doesn't matter what we, that, that whether we're holy or not holy. It doesn't matter how we treat our bodies. But the Word of God says, Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Don't you know what your body is? Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says this. We often read this verse and move on really too quickly. Okay? For I am the Lord and I change not. That's a powerful statement. We live in an ever-changing world. The world today is nothing like the world a year ago, not even close. We live in a world that changes so rapidly, that change, I know we, many of us say we, we hate change, but let's be real, we don't hate change. We just don't like the change we don't like. Because when that new iPhone comes out, brother, change changing. <laughs> Actually, I went to a new Google phone, so I, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to that. But, you know, I'm all about, oh, no, I got to be, oh, no, I got to have that new one. When that new car, oh, no, I got to have that new model. I got to have that change. But when God starts to change, I don't like change, God. I don't want to change. Because it's not what we want to change. But He does not change. Not only does He not change, but He cannot change. It is impossible for God to change. Because if he could change, he wouldn't be God. I change not. So if that's true, okay, if that passage of Scripture is true, if he is God and he doesn't change, let me ask you a question. If he was so specific about the tabernacle, how to build it, how to sanctify it, how to make it holy, wouldn't it be clear to us that he desires the same specific... What's the right word? Specificality? Is that, is that the right word? That, that One of those two words, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't he expect this? I mean, wouldn't it be logical to think if he was that specific about the physical tabernacle that he lived in, let me rephrase that, that he manifested himself in, because God's everywhere, God don't live in no one place, but he manifested himself in that tabernacle, he manifests himself in you and me, if it was that important to him in the physical tabernacle, why would it not be just as important to him in this tabernacle? If he wanted that tabernacle to be sanctified, if he wanted that tabernacle to be built a certain way, if he wanted the furniture in that tabernacle to be anointed and set apart a certain way, why would we not realize that he expects this tabernacle... To be the same. We live in a Christian world today. And I use that word, that word very loosely. We live in a Christian age that believes that we don't have to be separated. That we don't have to have a tabernacle that's holy. We definitely live in a world that doesn't believe that. But now that's filtered into the church. You can you can go and, and read, and actually I thought I put the verse here, but I I, I I didn't. There's a couple places and and uh I'm I'm sorry, I meant to put the verses in there. There's a couple places in the Old Testament, you'll find a couple places where uh there was a couple uh people, uh believe one time uh it was the sons of one of the prophets, uh they were they were not treating the tabernacle as they should, and the wrath of God came down upon them. And there was there was another time when it talked about that the the tabernacle they were they were basically uh, paying people to do the work in the tabernacle, and God's wrath about that. Then, of course, we read in the New Testament. Where Jesus comes into the tabernacle, and they were they were uh, selling. And it wasn't so much that they were selling. If you really look at that, uh, what was going on? They were they were. You're, first of all, when you bring a sacrifice, you're supposed to bring your best sacrifice. They were they were selling sacrifices. But what was going on is they would sell a sacrifice, and they weren't necessarily getting used. They were getting resold. So they were basically making profit, and Jesus went in there and just, you know, acted up. You know, so sometimes I think it's okay to act up, you know. Jesus acted up. He went and just kicking stuff and beating people. Sometimes they're like, God, can I do it? He usually says no, but you know. So we 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 see that there was a there was a a uh that that God became angry because the people of God did not keep the sanctuary, the tabernacle, a holy place, and our bodies are the tabernacle. So there's many people that talk about. I'm getting way off on dangerous territory here. Uh, but I believe I believe there's a lot of things that would fall under. This 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 body is the tabernacle. Okay, so I'm just gonna talk about me. I I personally do not have any problems with high blood pressure. Okay? I don't have any problems with sugar. Thank God, God, I'm thanking you for those things. Uh I I don't, to my knowledge, have any problems with cholesterol. I haven't been to a doctor lately, and the way I eat that might not be a hundred percent accurate. Maybe that's why I haven't gone to the doctor. Uh but if I had problems with those those things, okay, so if I would go to the doctor and I'd get a physical, I remember a few years back, I went to the doctor and they they uh they took some uh they did some blood work and they didn't like my liver. They said there's something wrong with your liver. And at that time I was I was eating ibuprofen because uh, I had some head uh, neck problems, thank God God healed my neck. But uh, I was eating ibuprofens and they were hurt. They were messing up my, my liver. And the doctor said, you've got to stop taking that stuff. So I had to make a choice, okay? L- listen to the doctor or take care of my headache. But here's my point. I personally believe that once I knew that, if I chose to then continue to do something that would harm this temple, I believe that is not holy. If I know that I have high blood pressure and I do something that that does not... I'm not talking about not taking my medicine. If you have faith not to take your medicine, then that's... I'm not talking about that. But if I think I can eat any way I want to eat, I, th- I don't think that's holy, okay? Now, that's Jim's opinion, okay? That's not Antioch's opinion. That's not the pulpit's opinion. I'm just telling you what I believe, okay? The Bible says that this temple, this body is the tabernacle of God. And I'm supposed to take care of it. So there's certain things I shouldn't do to it, both a lot of things, but this is the tabernacle of God. So it's, I should do my best to sanctify it. And when God tells me, God, there's certain things that God has said, Jim, you shouldn't do this. And I say, okay, I'm not going to do that because you don't want me to do that. Some of those might be I could go to the Word of God and say this is why I have that commitment. There's some that I can't go to the Word of God and say to you, this is the Word of God. I simply say the Bible says that this is a temple and I'm supposed to not hurt this temple. And if I do something that, is, that, that goes against this temple... Then God's not happy with me. And so to me that's holiness. That's, that's me being sanctified. okay? And I do that because because I believe God is concerned with this. Why else would Paul say, "What? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of God? They are not yours. This body does not belong to me. Okay? Now I know we live in a world, and I'm not going to go out there, but I know we live in a world where there are certain people that say, This is my body. I can do what I want with it. Not according to Paul. Not according to the Word of God. According to the Word of God, this body was purchased at Calvary. Especially if I've applied the gospel to my life, okay. if I've not repented of my sins, if I've not been baptized in Jesus' name, if I've not allowed His presence to live in me through the infilling of His presence, okay, then maybe it's not His. I don't believe that, but maybe I could make that argument. But if I have been covered by the blood, if I have been... Applied, allowed the gospel to be applied to my life, then this body, this body no longer is for sure no longer mine. It belongs to Him. And He has a right to say, this is what I say it means to be separated. Just like He did in the Old Testament. Just like in the Old Testament He said, this is how you make the oil, this is how you make the altar, this is how you make the curtain, between the two holy of the holies. This is what you cover the outside with. This is what you cover the inside with. This is how you make the bread. This, very specific. That tabernacle and this tabernacle. I conclude with this. Outward holiness does not sanctify the heart. Okay? I'm not saying that. Outward holiness does not sanctify the heart. Okay? I'm I'm not, please don't think I'm saying that. But if the heart is sanctified, we will see the effects on the outward tabernacle. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay? I'm not talking about us doing this, that, or the other thing to be holy. My point is this. Brother McGurk started last week. But if the heart is sanctified, then the natural effect of that heart being sanctified is it will, it will show on the outward tabernacle. Both in the way we conduct ourselves, all manner of conversation. Brother McGurk talked about that last week. That's the things we say, the things we do, the places we go, the things we partake in. That's that conversation. So as God sanctifies, that's why a new you take a brand new newborn child of God and you take some old timer like <clears throat> me who've been around for a long time and if you compare the two from the outward looking at them you would say they were not the same but God would look at the two and say, those two are holy. Those two are holy. Those two are saints. Those two are separated. Now you take that newborn child, Paul Paul talks about later, when we should be drinking eating meat instead of drinking milk, but... You take that same newborn child and you take him to where I am now, 20, 30 plus years later, and if it's the same, then God's probably not going to make that same declaration. Because they've not allowed that sanctification to grow. Because God's going to change us. God's going to make us more like Him. That's the whole purpose to make us more like Him. And if we're being changed from glory to glory, then that's what holiness is all about. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this this evening, and I want to take a couple minutes. uh, And I I really want to to understand, So, so it would be very easy for us to look at God and to look at ourselves, I'm going to be very honest with you, very transparent, I guess is probably the better word to use. I have been striving to know God for a long time. I'm, I'm 55, got the Holy Ghost when I was 14, really got serious about trying to know God and live for Him when I was, when I was 19. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a few years, okay? Okay. There are still times when I, when I gaze upon His glory. When I find myself like Isaiah and I look at God and I look at where I am, it's easy for me sometimes to get frustrated. It's easy for me sometimes to take a negative look at myself because by now I should be more. By now I should have grown more. By now I shouldn't have this struggle in my life or that's it's it's easy for that to happen okay that's not what God really wants now I don't mean that we should go the other way and say oh I can be anything and do anything that's not my point my point is God's desire for us to looking at who he is is not to bring us down but to motivate us to be greater okay it's to motivate us to be more that's that's why the Word of the Bible tells us that the Word of God is a mirror. We look at our reflection and compare it to the reflection of God, the reflection of the Word of God. And when you look at the mirror in the morning, hopefully, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you know sometimes I, I, I personally, I, I shave. Uh, I started this when I was in, in the Navy. in the boot camp, you got, you got like 30 seconds to to get a shower and shave and brush your teeth so best thing to do is do it all in the shower just jump in there so i started shaving in the shower okay without a mirror because you don't have a mirror so i shave in the shower always have and if i shave at the sink now i'd bleed to death so but sometimes when i get out of the shower and i look in the and i look in the mirror i notice i missed a couple spots I didn't get around my lip real good or maybe under my nose. And, and I'm like, I got to reach in and go back to the shower and get my razor and kind of clean it up a little bit. Okay? That's with the Word of God. Sometimes you look at the Word of God and you're going to see some stuff you missed. When you begin to look at His greatness and you're going to see some stuff, He's going to show you some stuff you missed. Or He's going to show you some stuff, hey, now we're going to work on this. Now I'm going to make you more like me here. It's not, it's not to beat us down. It's to say, okay, oh, you want to make me better. You want, to, you want to make me more like you. It's to encourage us, to motivate us to be great because He is great. It's to motivate us to be holy because He is holy. And so I would challenge you tonight, and not just tonight, but for the next few moments, we're going to pray. And, and I'm asking you not to to not just you know take a couple minutes but honestly hear what the word of god says and and ask god to take the word of god tonight and and let it let it find a lodging place in our hearts maybe tonight you would you would admit as you're praying you would admit to yourself finally you would say you know god You've been talking to me about this thing. You, you, every time this thing or this or that, every time there's this little voice that kind of, I don't feel quite right. Okay, God, I, I hear what you're saying. We're going to work on it. I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and give that thing to you. Whatever, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. That's how he works. Because he begins to talk to our hearts so let's let's pray let's take a couple minutes if you want to come to the altar you can or that right there in your seats but let's ask God to take this word I want to be holy I want to be sanctified because he is holy I want to be everything that he wants me to be I want to be uh, brother McGurk talked about last week I want to be that that peculiar people, that sanctified, that chosen generation. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you tonight for your word. God, I ask you right now just to sweep across this sanctuary, God, and just begin to to speak to my heart, to every heart in this place, God. Lord, that you would bring us to a place, God. Lord, that we would look at the meaning or the motivation. That's what I, what I mean, that we would look at the motivation, why should I be holy? God, why should I walk in this manner? Why should I live in this manner? Why should I add this to my life, or why should I subtract that from my life? What would, what would cause me to do that, God? Lord, I would ask that you would begin to just speak to us Began begin to talk to each one of us, God, and to allow us to understand, Lord, the things that you would do. Let us, again, a new and a fresh, God, me personally, I'm asking you, God, let me, a new and a fresh, get that vision of your greatness. Let me, again, not just take for granted your glory, but, Lord, that I would be as Moses Every time I come that I would say, I've got to see your glory. I've got to be in your presence, God, Lord, because it's in your presence when I can look at you and not look at the things of this life. Uh, Lord, when I can set aside the things that attract my attention Today, when I look at those things, those Uzziahs in my life today, what is the Uzziah in my life? What is the Uzziah, God, that's not allowing me to see you? As you are. What is that thing that has become so important to me. Uh, Lord that I don't see you high and lifted up. Uh, I don't see your greatness God. Uh, and Lord that, that it would cause me. Uh, Lord not to, to look at myself. Uh, and, and think so bad of myself. But it would cause me to want to be. In your presence. Knowing that if I'm going to be in your presence. Lord then I've got to allow you to change me, to mold me, to make me, Lord, to to be more like you. To be more like you every day, that's got to be my desire, God. Lord, I would ask that every heart that is here tonight, God, I would ask God that every morning, Lord, that your grace would do this, that your grace would wake us in the morning and that you would say to us, you would ask us, you would cause us maybe to ask ourselves, Am I like Christ today? Or maybe at the end of the day, before we put our heads on the pillow, we would look at our day and we would say, Did I look like Jesus today? Did I walk like Jesus today? Did people see Jesus when they saw me or did they see Jim? Did they see my nature or did they see your nature? Did they see the the tabernacle of God or did they see the vessel of Jim? What did they see today? And, Lord, that I would honestly ask myself, and, Lord, not to be discouraged, Lord, but to be changed. And, Lord, as you begin to mold me and you begin to shape me and you begin to say, this is how I want my tabernacle to look. This is how I want my tabernacle to behave. This is how I want my tabernacle to adorn itself. Lord, and that that would be our desire. Lord, more than just words tonight, God, I would ask that this, this word would be a seed, Lord, that would strike deep into the heart of your people. Lord, and that we would truly check our motivation. Lord, if there's anything in my life that I'm struggling with and I say, I don't think that's important, let me ask myself why. Why am I struggling with it? Why would I not Do what you would ask me to do. Lord, I have to do that personally. I have to do that as an individual. Lord, if we're ever going to be what you want us to be as a church, each one of us have to be the tabernacle individually. If we're going to be that representative to to this city, to this county, Lord, it has to start with each one of us being that tabernacle in your presence. Lord, I thank you and ask you to go with your people today, in Jesus' name, Amen. I w- I would ask that you truly would uh, think about uh, if if in the next little while you begin to think about this. If you have any kind of questions, you know about some things, if there are things you're you have questions about, then I would ask you to. To speak to one of the elders, uh, maybe an Oikos leader or, or one of the pastors. Uh, they would love to help you uh, answer any of those kind of questions. Maybe there's something you'd like to know about what God thinks about something. Uh, I know I often do that myself. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.